I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and as always next to me is Matt. Hello, how are you going? I'm excellent. How are you? Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks for asking. <laughs> as promised, we are here for another Q&A. So we've been meaning to do uh, one of these for a while because we've been getting lots of questions, lots of emails. So a lot of our episodes lately have been going on. And on. And on. And, on. <laughs> and we don't like to make them too long for we res- you. We respect your time. So we are going to be answering a whole bunch of questions in this episode. Yes. And if we've got time at the end, we'll do a bit of a quick rapid fire with some short, easy to answer questions. <laughs> In theory, yes. <laughs> your answer. So it turns out that when you know a lot about weight loss and you help people lose weight for a living, you get asked a lot of questions. Yeah, people like to throw them at us. All now, the to time. be fair, we do like being asked questions. Yes. So, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can easily direct your questions to us. So, obviously, we do well with weight loss, exercise, etc. related questions. But based on some of the things we've got here for this episode, we also are going to show that we do well on questions about things like video games and professional wrestling. We is is we. a stretch. We. You. No, no. But yes, definitely if you have any questions, a lot of questions that people throw at us as well start with things like, sorry to bother you or... It's no bother. It's, um, you know, this might be a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. It's no bother. We love getting questions. We love we love the engagement. And we love... And we're, t- we're, we're coaches, so we're educators. So that's what we love to do. And so, just understand as well, like there are no stupid questions, only stupid people. Yes, definitely. All right, Matt, let's kick it off with the first email. All right. Uh, first one comes in from Devin, who you and I had a discussion about recently. Yes, Devin has emailed us before. Yes, and you and I had a bit of a mini debate as to what gender does Devin get assigned to? Well, Devin can be a unisex name, yes. Yeah, but see, that's you sitting on the fence. Uh, as per usual with me, I went all in. Mm-hmm. And I surmise that Devon's a female. And I was wrong. <laughs> of course you were. I was right. Soz. Devon is male. Soz. Soz. Hashtag Soz. <laughs> so email comes in from Devon and it starts off as a ripper. Hello, Courtney and co-host. <laughs> Would have been better if Devon had to put like Courtney and like... Some guy. Michelle or something. (laughs) Michelle. Hello, Courtney and co-host. Open bracket. That's for calling me a girl, Matt. Close bracket. (laughs) My first question is about targeting a specific body part. I'm currently doing two weights days a week, one upper body and one lower body. I have no shoulders to speak of. I feel your pain. And I'm wondering if I add a few sets of shoulders onto my leg day... 
Will this help me to add mass there or could I be overworking them and this becomes detrimental? What do you think? Well, Matt, I think that you have done some of this work yourself in your own body shape. Yes. I think that there's there's two sort of parts to this. I think that the first one to really touch on, Matt, is the the it's really like a fact or fiction really, which is there's this theory that gym goers have mostly uneducated gym goers that if I just go to the gym and constantly work on the same muscle group, it will get bigger faster. Ah, oh, so what are you saying that the fact that I go to the gym every day and do chest and biceps, I'm doing the right thing? Yeah. So that's the theory. So you see a lot of, a lot of, um, I don't want to generalize here, but you see a lot of the male population, they will go to the gym and they will do that. And then you see a lot of the female population who will go to the gym and do lots of hip thrusts and things, um, with bands and things that are supposed to make your booty look like Kim Kardashian's really quickly. So that's like in a general, general rule, that's what happens. So that is definitely, Matt, you will agree with me, fiction. <clears throat> it is, but I need to say that I one of the reasons why I love you is, look, I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to. <laughs> I should say, I don't want to offend, but I'm going to. Um, if you belong to one War- of these warning, categories. the following may offend and I don't care. So... It's definitely, it's definitely fiction. And for a lot of people, they just don't know because all they do is see other people doing it and they just think that well, it must work. The, the industry that you and I work in is pretty much largely the blind leading the blind. Yeah. So this one is definitely fiction straight away, Devin. So if you work on the same muscle group constantly, it is, does not mean that that muscle group is going to get bigger and stronger faster. Well, it can't when you think about what intense weight training does to the body. It works because it breaks down the muscle tissue. It damages it, all these you know, thousands of uh, micro tears. Mm. And the, the process of hypertrophy, as in muscle growth, involves the muscle being able to rest, recover, and regenerate. Mm. You know, and regenerate and adapt to the load placed on it. So if one were to keep working the same parts all the time, how is it going to recover? So you're spot on with that, Courtney. The um, other part with this that I want to sort of talk about, especially giving advice here, is rather than tacking shoulders on to the end of legs day, because keep in mind, leg day is and should be the hardest day of the week. It's hard, yeah. By a mile, because you're using the greatest amount of mass uh, in your in your body at once. Mm-hmm. And also you're doing the most complex exercises we should be. Now you think if you have a hard leg day and you then are completely like knackered, Australian slang for screwed, wrecked, destroyed, at the end of leg day and you then want to go and hit your shoulders afterwards, the the orange is probably going to be squeezed out of juice as it should be. So there's not going to be much in the tank to begin with to go and hit the next body part here. The smarter approach would actually be to lead off with your with a shoulder exercise or two on your upper body day. So this is a discussion about exercise sequencing. So exercise sequencing involves prioritizing the body part part or parts that you want to work as a result of your training. 
So obviously, as you would know just through exercise experience, as you go through your training session, you just start to wear down. Mm. You get fatigued, you get tired as you should because you're pushing yourself. Now that then you think about this, that means that the first one to two exercises of your training session are the ones that you've got the most amount of fuel in the tank to really go after. And then subsequent exercises you do, there's going to be a drop-off. Now, we can attest to that. Yes. Because we, we feel that with our sessions. So to me, if someone, and I've been there with this exact point, if someone wants to particularly focus on their shoulders and develop them, make that the first exercise. Mm. Because you're going to hit it. We call it a pinnacle exercise. The first exercise of the day that requires a lot of coordination and is usually a compound movement. So if someone wants to get bigger shoulders, I would make the first exercise of upper body day being a shoulder press. Yes. A barbell or a dumbbell shoulder press. And, you know, standing or seated, but I would say if we're looking at getting a bit of mass onto the shoulders, seated allows you to do more weight. Yes doesn't work your core as much, but it lets you put more overload through the shoulders. So I think a seated shoulder press is the way to go as the first exercise on upper body day. So you would just deprioritize something else. Yeah. So if you're happy with, like for example, if you're happy with your chest development, you might put your chest exercises towards the back of the session. Mm. Yeah? Yes. Do I sound smart? You do. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, the second part of this is as follows. This is reading off the email. Yes. Secondly, I assume that it's best to eat meals at roughly the same time every day. My job, however, makes this difficult and I usually have to just eat when I get a chance. This also makes it difficult to get in all my meals. I'm just looking for suggestions for people who aren't able to stop to eat whatever they'd like to. Or sorry, not whatever, whenever they'd like to. What do you think? Yeah, I had this working in hospitality for many years. So can you can you just give some clarity here as to what was the situation, like how are your hours? Yeah, so I worked at a function venue and I would work during the week were pretty standard days because there weren't many functions on, so a lot of office style work. Um, however, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, they were sort of our big function days uh, they were either daytime or nighttime work and whether you worked the day or the night it was equally as frantic chaotic there was no sort of there was no such thing as a set meal time break um, it was just you grabbed it where you could in in the midst of a function or a, or you got like multiple appointments so it was always it was always busy. So, what I did um, back then is, and what I still do if I find myself in a situation where I can't guarantee myself to have a meal break or you know when or where I'm going to be eating, um, I always make sure I I take something that I can eat cold. So if I don't have time, because one thing I did learn was it was just wasting time for me stopping to heat up my food where if I could just grab it and eat it, it was much easier. So I always made sure that I would prep foods, which I could heat up, but then I could also eat cold if I, if I needed to. So things like stir fries were really good for that for me. 
Um, sometimes I would just make a really yummy um, salad with uh, pulled chicken. Um, not a massive fan of like big chunks of cold chicken, but I find like pulled chicken or roast chicken um, pulled apart is really yummy. So I would always just try to pick something that was uh, quick and simple that I could just eat. If if I didn't have a set time frame to be able to eat and I just had to eat and then get back to work, um, I would also pick things that like yogurts and fruit, um, things as well that could be snacks in between as well that I didn't need to sort of stop and like blend a smoothie or something like that because there was a gain. There was no guarantee I was going to have time to do that. Fruit salads? Fruit salads and I would add like yogurt and maybe a bit of protein powder in there as well Definitely. just to up the protein content because yogurt doesn't have that much on its own. Also, uh, chocolate protein mixed in with that sort of a thing is delicious. Yeah. I would often uh, mix in chocolate protein powder just with natural Greek yogurt. Mm. So it would become a bit more of a chocolatey sort of mousse and I would uh, put in there a whole bunch of berries and whatever fruit was seasonal and that I liked at the time. So again, it just saved me having to stop and actually blend a smoothie because again, it just took time. So I always made sure that I just had things on hand that I didn't have to heat up if I didn't have a chance to, and that I didn't have to do much in terms of preparation for. If I needed to, I would just pull it out of the fridge. In terms of meal timings, obviously sometimes that is going to vary and there's not there wasn't much I could do about that. So sometimes... I would go three hours in between a meal and then other times I might have to stretch that out to sort of four and a half to five hours. But I still got my meals in, which I think is the main thing, Matt, that you would agree. Yes. Just to get them in. It's not always going to be perfect, especially if you are a shift worker or if you work where you don't have set breaks. You're not always going to be able to eat every three hours or every two hours, or every four hours. Sometimes it's going to vary. So sometimes I might have only eaten two hours ago, but I think, no, I'm going to eat a snack now because I know that I'm not going to have time after this for another two hours and that's too long to wait sort of thing. So I was always just manipulating that day to day in terms of my work on how, where I saw gaps in my appointments or in my work to be able to fit it in. So sometimes it might've only been a two hour gap. Other times I might push it out to four hours, just depending on how I felt at the time, how hungry I was. Yeah. Establishing a regular sort of eating pattern is extremely helpful, but where it's not possible, you just do the best you can. Yeah. Ultimately you make do with what, you know, what the circumstances are, make the best of it. So, good answer there. Uh, next question. Do you guys have any recommendations for other podcasts to listen to? Is that like any podcast or? Well, preface this by saying that um, he says, I usually go through two or three episodes of your podcast a day. I'm running out of them. Yeah, I bet. So, thanks for bumping up our download stats. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations for other podcasts? I reckon we open this up. Yeah. Because I personally, I personally don't listen to other health and fitness podcasts anymore because we're making our own. Yes. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. There's but a lot of noise in the I, health and fitness industry. I have no interest really in, in listening Ooh. to other ones. So in terms of other podcasts in general, I listen to Stacks. Stacks and Stacks and Stacks. 
Uh, none of which are related to weight loss, but I can personally recommend uh, TED Talks. Yeah, TED Talks are great. TED Talks come in audio form as well. And I think uh, TED Talk topics that are personally relevant to an individual can actually be life-changing. Yes. There are some TED Talks that I've listened to that have changed the way I think about what I do. Yes. In various areas. So I think looking up TED Talks is a recommendation for myself. Uh, I'm also a fan of audiobooks. I don't read too much anymore. I actually listen. So Audible gets a lot of my time. I most recently listened to an audiobook called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I can't recommend that enough for people as a really well-timed reality check. Yeah. Because the content of this book relates to so many different things in life be it business success, personal success, weight loss success, like you name relationship success. Yeah. You name it, this book just lays the smack down on people people's unwillingness to accept responsibility for the choices that they make and the things that they do. But also really puts it on people who honestly give too many fucks about things that don't count. So the subtle art of not giving a fuck uh, by Mark Manson, like get on it. Yeah. Get on it. I'm currently going through that book now. I really like it. I'm a bit this different, whereas I don't really listen to any other podcasts. I'm not a huge podcaster. There are some that I will listen to, but not sort of necessarily religiously. Um, none of the ones I listen to, that's for sure. Definitely not. Um, but I do love audiobooks. I... Same thing, we've got a membership with Audible. So we get I the credit, think, the a credit, credit each month, one, yeah. one free audiobook every month. And then any other ones that we want to purchase that we'll purchase on top of that. So it is fantastic. And I have got a library there. So sometimes I'll even go back and listen to the same audiobooks again. Oh, there's value in that. Um, there's definitely value in listening to the same audiobooks again. I tend to go for audiobooks that are not only sort of helpful one. So uh, I can highly recommend, I really, really loved the uh, book by Mel Robbins called The Five Second Rule. Um, I think that was... That's one of your faves, I think. Yeah, one of my favourite books. And I've, I think i am um, listened to it about three or four times now. Um, fantastic book, highly recommend that one. I think that I also, I tend to just gravitate naturally, I think, to books that are read by the authors. I really like hearing from the person who wrote it because I think they read it in such a more interesting way. It's less robotic that way. So I tend to just look uh, for books via um, author and narrator first. And then I tend to go from there. I think there's a lot of good audio um uh, biography books as well that have been done. So I, I find those sort of books quite interesting as well to hear about people's lives. Like even someone like Drew Barrymore, her autobiography I think was fantastic. She read it herself. And I think from even from people like that, you can learn a lot from their life as well. Mm. So I, those are the sort of t tend to be the audio books that I gravitate to. And for me, podcasts, well, it's usually sports-related, pro-wrestling-related, 
video games related or a combination of all three. Yeah. So, but TED Talks, like get on them. TED Talks are fantastic. Get on them. You learn so much. And because they're not overly long either. They can be 10 minutes. They can, they're really, really fantastic. Yeah. We, you and I might stand to learn a few things from TED Talks in terms of giving the most amount of value with the least amount of words. Yeah, that would probably be helpful. Uh, last question here. In this particular email, this one, I think, Courtney, you can clock off on this one. Uh, what's that your... nerd warning alert? Yeah, nerd alert. What's your opinion of the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 video game? I know it gets a bad rap, but I'm loving it. Well, I personally haven't played it. So there's my opinion. Uh, only because first-person shooters, I got bored of them 10 years ago. So I think the last one I... I've, I've gone through the Wolfenstein games the last couple of years and they are very entertaining indeed. But normally this type of... Like the multiplayer first-person shooter, like I would say I clocked off of that genre after Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is like, what, 2007, 2008? A long time ago now. So I don't have much of an opinion on Battlefront, but all I know is that this game caused rage because of the amount of loot boxes, which the, the concept turns me off. So my opinion is, I don't know, I haven't played it, but it just doesn't interest me. Cool. Moving on. Uh, next email. Hey guys, I listened to an episode the other day. Can't remember which one it was. That's okay. Where you mentioned making sure you're drinking enough, quote, room temperature water, unquote. I generally prefer my water ice cold. Is there a benefit to drinking room temperature water rather than ice cold water? Now, I don't can't say I recall which one of us said this. No. But whichever one of us said this probably fucked up. Yeah. Because there is more of a benefit to having ice cold water. So please don't stop that. So ice cold water uh, has been shown that it empties from the stomach faster than warmer water, which means the water is absorbed faster and helps to you know, disperse heat from our core to maintain our body temperature. So I'm only seeing benefits there to ice cold water, especially during exercise. Yeah, it, might, it, it might just be a personal preference thing as well. I, don't, I can drink ice cold water I probably I would more more often than not just have it straight from the tap, but it might have just been a personal preference thing. Well, personal preference is, is go for your life. Mm. Uh, in this case, discussing about drinking water during exercise, I'd be reaching for the ice cold. Yeah, just because there are it looks to be there are more benefits for the way it cools your body down because it's absorbed faster into the system. So that is that. So we'll move on to the next email, Courtney. Yes. Uh, another email, Courtney, where I think you can just put your feet up for a bit. Okay. Random question for Matt. Is he planning on going to the WWE Super Showdown in Melbourne? It's the Undertaker's last singles match. And I would give away a kidney to see that. Well... This is unusual for me to say, no, I'm not going. Which anyone that knows me would think, why is this guy who's been watching wrestling for like 30 plus years, 
35 years not going to not not going to the show here in Melbourne. Well, that's because Courtney and I have uh, a trip to the United States coming up. Yes, and I'm going to be uh, saving saving those dollars for the wrestling to go towards <clears throat> live basketball and football in America, which really floats my boat. And I've seen uh, two recent WWE shows uh, here in Melbourne the last couple of years. And so I just made the executive decision, you know what? I'll, I would rather get close to courtside seats at an, at an NBA game yes. than I would seeing a wrestling show that will be a big spectacle but I don't think we'll have anything meaningful in there. And can I just make a comment? The Undertaker's last singles match. This is wrestling. No one's retired until they're dead. I thought he like had his last singles match about two years ago at WrestleMania. The Undertaker has retired now uh, at least once. Yeah. Because I thought Roman Reigns retired him. Boo. Yes. Mention the name, got to boo it. But it's wrestling. Like Ric Flair has retired like fifty-eight times. <laughs> no one. No, I, I honestly don't think you're retired in wrestling until you're dead. Uh, so no, I'm not going. Uh, and one more question for Matt: Does he have a preference on character and cart selection for Mario Kart Eight? I'm trying to finish every course in mirror mode, and I get stuck, and I rage quit. Okay. <laughs> For me in Mario Kart, I just go for the fastest kart I can. So usually it's um, Koopa Trooper or Toad with whichever kart and wheel combination gets me the most amount of speed. Only because I back myself and my ability to drift in those games and I can handle even the tough handling. So I just want the fastest possible kart I can get. Hope that helps. Cool. Cool. Uh, we have some um, rapid some, fire. Range. We have some rapid fire questions here, Courtney, that we've received. Yes. So I will read these out. Yes. And ha- for those of you who are bored, these are not related to wrestling or video games. Uh, no, they're not. I can confirm. Yes. We've now entered the no <laughs> the wrestling free zone. How can I prepare food faster? How can you prepare food faster? Yeah. Well, How do you, I do it? you'd look at your cooking methods, really. I mean, it, it depends how you're cooking your food. Use, use methods that don't involve as much work. So I tend to use slow cookers a lot mm. because I literally put everything in there raw. I put the lid on, I put it on low, and I come back in six hours. So to me, that's pretty fast. And because it's cooking slowly, I don't. You don't have to chop finely. You don't have to be careful. You know to make everything nicely chopped. No, don't. I don't have time for that. So I would look at your cooking methods. Um, choose. Try to choose things that aren't going to take very much time. So stir fries, slow cookers are a go-to for me. Yeah, bulk, bulk cooking especially. Yeah. I also think when it comes to speeding up the food prep, practice. Yeah, roasting. I think there's a lot of things that you can do in the oven as well. And the, the more you can have multiple cooking methods at once means that the more meals that you are cooking in the same amount of time, if that makes sense. Mm. So if you have to wait and cook everything in the oven, then it's going to just slow down your, your time frame as well. So try to maybe put on a slow cooker, put on something in the wok on the stove, like a stir fry while you've got something or several things roasting in the oven at the same time. Good answer. Uh, next one. 
With so many different so-called diets, how is one to know what is and isn't good for you? Now, good question. One that we can answer straight away. I would recommend having a listen to episode 86 of this very fine podcast. How to recognize a bad plan where Courtney and I took a bit of a deep dive into what, again, how to recognize a bad diet. Yeah. So I can recommend episode 86 of this podcast over at theweightlosspodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, etc. I would also, just as a sneak preview, keep your eye out for our upcoming webinar. Yes. Where we'll be discussing this in a bit more detail as well. So Courtney and I are launching a webinar pretty soon. Webinar aimed at uh, why overweight people fail at weight loss, mm-hmm. which is a lot like a lot like one of our podcast episodes, but it's just a bit more visual. Yeah. So watch out for that. I think just generally speaking, as well, how do you recognise a bad diet? Can you, I think sustain, can you sustain it? Sustainability. I think, like seriously speaking, if the word diet is in it, <laughs> you know it's fucked. Well, it's going to be shit. Yeah. If it's got a, like a special name, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like if it's got its own particular name, it's generally going to also be unsustainable. Like, those are the sort of just quick things that you can look at. Like, um, and then you can go on from there about. Yeah, episode 86 will help there yeah. and watch out for our upcoming webinar. Yes. Next question. This is a good one. Why is consistency important? Consistency is important to avoid the five steps forward, seven steps back scenario. So if you are consistently making good choices, you're always going to have bad days and you're always going to maybe take a few steps back, maybe go on holidays and you're out of routine and you might not be the exact same you know, body shape when you come back, but then you get straight back into routine. And, and that's what I think about when I think about consistency. You've built a routine. So there's sometimes things that are going to come up and you're not going to maybe eat exactly the same food or you're not going to get your exactly the same amount of exercise in that week. But on a general rule, it is consistent. If you don't have consistency with exercise and food, nutrition – all that's going to do is is you're going to have that that really big peak and then spiral down. Peak well, you and kind then spiral of, um, down. You're kind of spinning your wheels when you're inconsistent. Well, it's just no natural growth, and 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 it's in it, it, like you can't think about being able to sustain that forever mm. because all you're doing is you're constantly building up your your confidence by having this really big peak, and then you're just shattering yourself. By having this spiral down. Well, also, I think looking at this question, consistency creates momentum. Yeah. Inconsistency destroys that momentum. It's make it harder for yourself. It, do, it does make it harder for yourself. But also, when you think about it, given the amount of pressure that people put on themselves to be perfect, whatever the fuck that means, yeah. consistency is far easier to achieve than perfection. Yes. Far easier. So this... this Potentially becomes an all or nothing discussion. Yeah. Which is one of our very uh, early episodes that we did, Courtney. Yeah. Way back when. That's episode number four. Four. I think. The all or nothing approach. So the all or nothing approach 
is off, you know, is where consistency isn't part of the discussion. It's about getting it right and making no mistakes. Now, that tends to be a ticking time bomb where sooner or later something's going to go wrong and you're going to go off the deep end. Hmm. Yeah? Yes. So consistency, easy to achieve and builds and sustains momentum. Sound yes. good? Yes. Next question, and I have a very fast answer for this. How can I lose fat faster? Answer, eat less shit. Yeah. Next question. Uh, how And last question. How do I maintain my daily walking regime when the pain is debilitating? Great question. Great question. I would say don't walk if the pain is debilitating. <laughs> yeah. So don't actively go out to walk more than you need to if it's causing you pain. Exercise at the end of the day. Well, debilitating pain means crippling and so there's a chronic condition. Correct. Here. Yeah. So exercise, people say... I always say to clients, there's a difference between if that hurts and if that hurts. So mm. does that hurt as in your muscles are working and your body is sore? Or does that hurt as in... I can't keep doing this. This is bad pain. Yeah. So there are two different sorts of pain. And so that needs to be recognized. And you are not to exercise through the bad sort of pain. That is going to give you no benefit whatsoever. It is going to drag you backwards so i would say don't walk if it's causing you crippling pain yeah choose something that is not going to cause you that potentially maybe depending on your situation maybe that involves swimming yes. or something in the pool that's going to take the pressure off your joints depending even, well, well, on what you're even, even less impact yeah so i see two things here uh one if the pain of walking is debilitating get it looked at yes so a good podiatrist can help there, depending on where the pain is. But usually, physio. yeah, physio, yeah. Yep. Uh, so get it looked at and get it diagnosed, and you can get a treatment plan from there. And as Courtney said, you replace the walking with something that's still active, but not as painful. So swimming, absolutely, possibly uh, bike riding. Yeah, I was going to say I've seen people that cannot work, walk very far, but they can sit on one of a, st- a, a stationary. Bike. Yeah exercise bike and they could pedal for, for, for K's. Also the cross trainer yes. at the gym could be good for that. So I just I would just recommend in this case you try something else out. So there is a problem that people have where they their egos push them to do things they shouldn't be doing. Yes. So listen to your body. Yes. So in terms of maintaining a daily walking regime with crippling pain, you don't maintain it, you get it looked at and you replace it until you can bring it back in. You've got to be smart about this yes. because longevity is a, you know, really part of the, like a, you know, the name of the game, I guess you'd say, where if you can't stick with this consistently over a long-term period of time, like, how is this sustainable? Exactly. Um, and that's it. Last question. Done. Awesome. Podcast oh. at theweightlosspodcast.com is where we... Would appreciate you emailing us. Yeah, definitely. And if you have any questions or if you have any audio books or other podcasts that you would like to oh, pass on. I'm always down for recommendations on audio books and podcasts. Please like, do. Hit me up. Please do. We love talking about that sort of stuff as well. And yeah, watch out for our upcoming webinar. Yeah, I, I very, very soon. 
So hope this has helped. If not, blame Courtney and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.